Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you take your Bibles, we are going to begin the study on Galatians, and I'll be reading the first ten verses of chapter 1. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers with me, to the churches of Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned, as we have already said. So now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Am I not trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. Thank you, Rick. Like you said, uh, we started a new book today of Galatians, Paul's letter to the church in Galatia, central Turkey. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful to be here this morning. It's the best place we could possibly be on the first day of the week, on the Lord's day, the day that you rose again from the dead, the day that the Holy Spirit came down at Pentecost and the church began. And we thank you that we are part of the church, the body of Christ. Help us, guide us, and teach us as we look into this book written by the Apostle Paul, but inspired by the Holy Spirit. Help us to be clued in and concentrate and not be distracted. May we learn something new. May we learn a lot and apply these truths to our lives as we study through this book. By your grace each week, starting today, in your name. Amen. So like I said, we begin the study of St. Paul's letter to the church in Galatia. It begins the apostle by stating his name and credentials. It's not like us when we write a letter. We normally put, you know, sign it at the end of the letter. Back then, they put the name first to make no doubt who was writing it. Paul and his credentials. An apostle sent not from men nor by a man. Now, Paul wasn't ordained by a man or men with the laying on of hands or having been to a Bible school or a, a seminary to learn how to teach, how to preach. He wasn't picked out by men like Matthias was in Acts chapter 1, verse 26, casting lots just to make up the 12 disciples after Judas Iscariot committed suicide. No. Paul, the apostle, was chosen and sent 
but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. If you remember, they cast lots uh, when Judas committed suicide to fill in the, the twelve, and Matthias became the twelfth apostle. But really, it was Paul who was the main apostle. And he said, I labored more than any of the others put together in the Lord's service. Paul was a chosen apostle, ordained by God, not by man, to preach the good news, to preach the gospel. Now, nobody should be in a pulpit unless they have been called by God and ordained by God alone to preach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Only he qualifies a man to hold that privileged position. So whoever you are listening to this message and you're in a pulpit and you're not preaching the true gospel of Jesus Christ, then you need to get out of the pulpit and make way for somebody that will, that believes the Bible. Amen. Paul gives a brief kind of cold informal greeting because he's got some heavy things he needs to tell to the church that they don't particularly want to hear. But, uh, you know, when you tell the truth, then it's going to hurt people's feelings, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. So he gives a brief informal greeting from himself and says also from all the brothers. Are you looking at it? In verse 2, it says, all the brothers and sisters with me. So who are these? These, these are Christians. And he wrote this letter from Corinth in Greece. And these were the churches that were made up by Paul uh, as he was sent by God. And these are believers in Jesus Christ. He's, he's writing and giving a greeting from himself and also from the, the brothers and sisters. In Corinth, brothers and sisters, you are, if you're part of the church, you are saved, you are my brothers and sisters. Uh, the only way to become part of the family of God is to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Then, and only then, can you call other believers in Christ your brothers and sisters. Amen? He says, to the churches in Galatia. That's what he's writing to. He's not writing to a building. He's writing to believers, Christians. He's not writing to one particular church group but he's writing to all the believers made up of a number of churches in central Turkey, from the cities, I'll name them, Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, and Derby. Maybe that's where they designed the hat, I don't know. Throw that in for nothing, just to keep you awake. All right, Paul and Barnabas went to those places for the first time, preached the gospel, and people got saved. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. This all happened on Paul's first missionary journey. Verse 3, we've got 10 verses. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace. What a wonderful word. What a wonderful thing. You can't describe God's grace. It cannot be put into words, but I'm going to try in my limited uh, English vocabulary. The word grace was used as a standard greeting even amongst the Gentiles. But in this case, Paul is writing to believers. So that word grace, it has a far greater spiritual meaning and significance. Grace is an essential part of God's character. He is full of grace and truth. 
Grace embodies God's love and God's mercy. This grace, this amazing grace, is God's favor that he bestows freely on the unworthy and the undeserving. Like we, we were unworthy and undeserving, weren't we? We were lost in our sins, but he loves sinners. God loves sinners. This grace is God's favor. He bestows freely on the unworthy, the undeserving. And it's only because of God's grace he is willing and he's able to forgive sinners that believe what his only begotten son, Jesus, did on a cross for them. That's God's grace to the undeserving sinners. God's favor, God's benevolence because of his love, his gracious nature that he chooses to bless abundantly with his grace in spite of the fact that we don't deserve it. That is grace. Amen? The grace of God is active, it's continuous, and it works in the hearts and the lives of his children. Now, there is such a thing as dying grace. You may have heard of that. And anybody that has been with a person who is a believer, God administers a special dying grace to that believer. So they are transported from this world into the next. To believers, you need to know that the Bible teaches that not everyone is a child of God. God loves everybody, but not everyone is a child of God. Only those who have been born again through faith by God's grace, believing in Jesus Christ, have been adopted. I know the, the Herzogs know a lot about adoption. We have been adopted. Who wouldn't want to adopt me anyway? <laughs> Eleanor, would you like to adopt me? She said, no, she's, I'm too old, she said. You're too old. Ella's not too old, even though she had a birthday yesterday. Happy birthday, my love. Congratulations. Anyway, it's only those that are saved that are part of God's family. Brothers and sisters, all right? This is what the word says, John 1, 12 and 13. But as many as received him, who? Jesus. To them, he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name. Is that so hard? Apparently, for those who believe in his name, who were born, not of blood, a natural birth, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We've been born. We've been adopted by the will of God, having been born again into his family. Paul credited the success of his ministry, not to his own attributes or gifts or his own labors. He credited his, his success by the grace of God, he says, by the grace of God that was with me. Remember, God is always with you. Always, always, never leaves us. That grace is it's an ongoing gift that God keeps on giving. You can't outgive God. You cannot. Ongoing gift of God working in us, without which we can do zilch. Is that German? I don't know. Is it? Is it German? Anyway, you know what I mean. You can do nothing. Jesus said himself. He says, without me, you can do zilch. No, he didn't. He says, without me, you can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. John 15, 5. Nothing. You think I could stand up here without the grace of God? No. 
Because of God's amazing grace working in us, we can do nothing. Because of God's amazing grace given freely by him, we're able to be gracious to others. Amen? Grace is not only given to us freely, it's given to us to be able to live a holy life. A holy life. And to serve others. And be able to exercise our spiritual gifts. You've all been given spiritual gifts. When you got saved, you know what they are. Verse 3 again, he says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father. See, we've been adopted. We can call him our Father now. And the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace. Peace. We receive the peace of God through receiving the Prince of Peace. Amen. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. When we receive him, we receive God's peace. Now, if you don't have Jesus, you don't have peace. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have peace. Have you got Jesus? Have you got Jesus? Then you've got peace, regardless of what happens in this world. Having believed in him and what he did on the cross, receiving him by faith, it's then we not only have forgiveness of sins, we receive his peace. True source of peace can only come as Paul rightly says, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. God's peace, it's a state of tranquility, quietness of spirit that comes literally from out of this world. Literally, from out of this world. It cannot be obtained anywhere else. It's a gift. God's peace is a gift. He imparts it from part of his character. He freely gives it to us. God's grace, God's peace is what he chooses to share with the undeserving that have received his son. But only those that have received his son. When we put the Lord first, and we ought to, we should, we will experience the peace of God that passes all understanding, that cannot be found anywhere else. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you not as the world gives to you. It's different. The world's looking for peace. Everyone's looking for peace. They're trying this. They're trying that. They're going here. They're going there. Looking for peace, but they're not going to find it unless they find Jesus. When we choose to obey God, we'll live in a peaceful state of mind. A peaceful state of mind. Regardless of the circumstances. Now that's something the world doesn't understand. When we learn to trust him, Especially in times of trouble, in times of turmoil, bereavement, we can find that peace that passes all understanding, the peace that we need to find rest for our souls and give us a sound mind that cannot be gained from anywhere else, no other source apart from the abounding resources from God the Father who graciously gives us his grace and his peace. You will keep him in perfect peace. How? whose mind is stayed on him, because you trust in him. Isaiah 26, 3. Verse 4, Jesus who gave himself for our sins. Think about that. He literally gave himself. Nobody forced him to do what he did. That's true love in action. No one made him do it, but why did he do it? it tells us right there. To rescue us from this present evil age. We needed to be rescued because we were slaves to sin. We were slaves, bound in chains to the 
Satan, we didn't even know, the God of this world that blinded our eyes to believe lies. We were slaves, but now our shackles have been broken. We needed to be rescued. Who took the initiative to save us? It says there, according to the will of our God and Father. His will. We didn't choose him. He chose us because of his benevolent will. And then he goes on, which we should. Stir us up. In verse 5, to whom be glory forever and ever. And he can go on and on and on and on. Forever and ever and ever and ever. He just gives two forevers and he says, Amen. To God be the glory forever. Amen. So we've got a lot to be thankful for, don't we? How often do we get up in the morning and praise God for a new day and thank him for that new day that we've survived another night? The older you get, the more you tend to think about that, don't we? Praise him for who he is and for what he's done. That's the best way to start the day. You get up first thing in the morning, you praise the Lord. You've got all these things that you need to do and all these commitments and these appointments and these pressures and these demands from people that they put on you. And, but if you wake up and you praise the Lord and you thank him for a new day, I commit this day to you, Lord. Whatever it is, help me by your grace. I'm in your hands. And that's the best way to start the day. Your day will be, the day will be real different. And read the word of God if you can. First thing in the morning, read the word. And then your day will be totally different for the rest of the day. If you don't put the Lord first, you don't read the word, it's going to be a lot more difficult to get through that day. I know from experience, and probably you do as well. So what was the reason for writing this letter? That's a good question. I'm glad you asked. Verse 6, he says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. So evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. So Paul is passionately defending the gospel of God's grace against those who would seek and taught to distort the truth they came in and they taught that our justification before God comes through our own efforts instead of simply believing faith in what Jesus did on the cross. The word justification simply means to justify, to be declared righteous, not because we deserve it, not because we earned it, because of God's benevolent grace, believing faith in what Jesus did. Justification is an act of God whereby he pronounces us sinners, not guilty. He pronounces us not guilty, just as if we had never sinned because of our faith in the one who was without sin, the only one that was without sin, Jesus Christ. Now, justification is an act of God's free grace. It cannot be bought. It cannot be earned. It cannot be obtained anywhere else apart from believing faith in what Jesus did for us. And then in verse 8 and 9, very serious he pronounces a curse on those false teachers. And he doesn't mince his words. He's deadly serious. And he's saying emphatically that if anyone or any angel, because sometimes Satan can come as an angel of light, present himself as an angel of light. I'm sure a few pulpits are full of them. They look great. They sound great. But they're not really God's servants. They're servants of Satan. If anyone or an, an any angel tries to distort or pervert or corrupt or teach anything that differs from what he taught them, 
under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit regarding Jesus Christ, then those imposters he condemns to an eternal hell. Doesn't mince any words at all. Doesn't mince any words at all. Eight and nine. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, what's that? That Jesus was born of a Virgin Mary. He was without sin. He died on a cross. He was buried and he rose again from the dead. That's the gospel. If anyone, even we or an angel from heaven, should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said, and so say now, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. In other words, eternally damned to hell. Pretty serious stuff. Like I said, he's not mincing his words. He's trying to get the them back into believing what Jesus has done, not what these false teachers were trying to corrupt the word of God to convince them there's another way, there's another gospel in order to go to heaven. He doesn't care about what people think about him. I'm sure everyone likes to be popular, don't we? We like to be popular. We like to be liked. Paul doesn't care about that because the message that he preaches is not about Paul. It's about the truth. He doesn't care about hurting their sensitive feelings. That's what we hear a lot about today. Feelings, our feelings. It's how I feel that matters. He doesn't care about being politically correct. I'm sick of hearing about politically correctness. Being politically correct in order to please people. Well, he said in verse 10, final verse, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? He's got things in the right perspective. He puts God first. God should always come first. What God thinks, not what people think. Or am I trying to please people? That's a rhetorical question. He's not trying to please people. His aim is to please God by telling the truth. And when you tell the truth, you're going to hurt people's feelings because they don't want to hear the truth. Well, some people don't. This is why they, they come and go. Let's just go somewhere where we can hear somebody tell us how great we are to make me feel good about myself. He's not, he's not concerned about what people think about him. He's only concerned about people that need to know the truth. He's only concerned about telling the truth. And if the truth hurts people's feelings, that's sad, but too bad. He's going to do it anyway, hopefully in a gracious manner and not condemning. If I was still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. You can't, you can't be a true servant of Christ. If you're trying to please people, a true servant of the living God who's been entrusted with the responsibility to teach and preach the word of God should never compromise or water down the truth that's found within it just to please people. True, born-again, Bible-believing, gospel preachers should not be trying to please human beings so they can be popular. Gospel preachers true gospel preachers make it their aim to please only one being not human beings only one being the almighty being just as jesus said that no one can serve two masters can't do it can't do it so let me read again and we'll close with this i'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting from the one who called you by the grace of christ don't ever desert the one who has called you by his grace and turning to a different gospel don't be misled 
There's only one true gospel and there's only one saviour and it hasn't changed, which is really not a gospel at all. Evidently, some people are trying to throw you into confusion. There's no need to be confused. God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Amen? And trying to pervert the gospel of Christ, and that's what they try to do. Tons of them. They try to pervert the true gospel of Christ, and it's all satanically inspired. It's not from the Lord. This is the word of God. Amen? Okay, let's pray. Again, Father, we are so thankful to be here. We've learned a lot this morning, and there's so much more to learn. And it's for our edification to build us up in the faith, not to be confused, not to be corrupted by any other message or false teachers, false uh, teaching that is inspired by the Satan to confuse us, to divert us from our true, simple belief and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, who paid the penalty for our sins on the cross. It's a simple faith, but it's profound, and it's changed us. And now, because of receiving you, by your grace, through faith, we have received your peace, the peace that passes all understanding, that cannot be obtained anywhere else. So help us to keep our minds and our hearts focused on the Prince of Peace. May we praise you as soon as we open our eyes in the morning because when we close our eyes in death we'll be in your presence and then we'll be praising you forever and ever and ever let us begin each day let us be in the word to be encouraged and to be guided there may be some that have heard this message this morning you're still sitting on the fence you're still resisting the grace of god who wants to save your soul why don't you just submit simply submit to Jesus Christ and believe because he loved you. He died for you. He paid the penalty for your sins. And all you need to do is believe it, that he died, he was buried, and he rose again from the dead and call upon his name to save you. Otherwise, as Paul rightly said, those that are outside of the family of God are lost and condemned to an eternity in hell. And you don't want to go there. And I'm sure you don't. So you don't need to believe and receive the Lord before it's too late. Amen and amen. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.